Well, this is Christ Talk Mini Pod for a Thursday night, September the 19th, 2021, with the Street Fighting Man by the Rolling Stones. Not that I'm advocating fighting in the street, it's just another one of those songs that I really get moving with. I'm your host, Donald Wayne, and thanks for joining me for another episode of Minipod. What a gorgeous day we had here in Atlanta, Georgia. I mean, I know I'm talking about weather again, but just just briefly. I mean, there wasn't a cloud in the sky all day. I mean, little to no humidity, probably no humidity. And the temperature was just perfect. If we could only have like 300 or so of these days every year, how wonderful would that be? What a wonderful place to live and work that would be. All right, that's all I'm going to say about that. It's it's just, it's fall, people. We finally made it to fall, at least here in Georgia. And uh, won't be long, we'll be talking about Halloween, I guess, if we're going to do Halloween this year. I don't know. Uh, I hope it's better than what people did last year. But, hey. Most of the people that are trick-or-treating are wearing masks, right? So uh, that should make Fauci uh, happy. Um, but anyway, it's that, it's that time of the year, a little bit of crispness in the air. Of course, that means all the dadgum leaves are going to be falling out of the trees. And I'll be raking leaves periodically for the next, oh, I don't know, three months. All right. That's all I'm going to say about that. Um, I'm going to touch on more than one topic tonight, so let me go ahead and get right to it. Uh, The first thing I want to talk about is that I read an article today, and I I guess I saw a little bit of it on on, uh, the news as well, but apparently four, oh, uh, let's see, I got my guys singing in the background. I like that song, too, but that's for another day. Uh, Evidently, four Republicans in the House have moved forward with introducing articles of impeachment against Joe Biden. And you've probably heard that story already. But yes, uh, only took them. Well, actually, no, let me let me go ahead and say this. This past Tuesday, Ohio Republican House member Bob Gibbs introduced new articles of impeachment against Joe Biden based on Biden's botched withdrawal from Afghanistan, of course, the border crisis, and his efforts to continue the federal eviction moratorium despite warnings from the Supreme Court. So uh, Matt Margolis writes uh, writes an article in PJ Media that Congressman Bob Gibbs stated, I take this seriously. I don't think it's haphazard. I'm not going to try to get media attention for myself. Biden has done so much damage to this country in less than nine months, which is really scary. Gibb continues, he's not capable of being commander in chief. And that's obvious by the actions since day one when he took the presidency back in January. Maybe something like this might make the White House think twice before they do some of this nonsense. Well, I'm, I'm sorry, Congressman Gibbs. I doubt very seriously if anything anyone can do 
is going to make the White House think twice. I'm not even sure. I'd probably argue. I don't even know they think the first time. But anyway, so Gibbs conceded that obviously it's not going to go anywhere with the Speaker Pelosi, with Speaker Pelosi in charge, but it shows that there are Republicans that think this president needs to be impeached. He needs to be removed from office one way or the other. At some point, they're going to be held accountable for their actions. And this is kind of putting them on notice, he said. Gibbs' articles of impeachment has three other sponsors, and that's Representative Andy Biggs. You've probably seen him on on uh, TV a number of times. He's a rep, uh, Republican from Arizona. Uh, Representative Brian Babin, he's a rep, he's a Republican from Texas, and Representative Randy Weber, who's also a Republican from Texas. Now, I started to say just a couple of minutes ago that uh, this was the the first. It only took him eight months to come around to try to impeach Biden, but actually, there have been other articles of impeach impeachment impeachment introduced in the House, and like the others, this one will go nowhere so long as Democrats control the House. The House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy has so far refused to support efforts to impeach Joe Biden. While he claims to be extremely frustrated, he said that eventually there will be a day of reckoning. Now, my guess is, that McCarthy doesn't want to put his name on something that he knows has no chance of success. So that's just a personal opinion. I have no facts or anything to back that up. Uh, It's just the way I feel. Not that it matters to anyone, but I'm not big on doing things just for show, okay? And that is basically what these representatives are doing when their actions have no chance of going anywhere in the house. Uh, You know, Pelosi is a pretty high wall to have to climb. And even though it is old and crumbling, it's still carries weight. Or if it doesn't carry weight, she's got a lot of people surrounding her that carry some weight. That doesn't mean that I think that you have to be, Uh, to have a sure thing before you move forward with any kind of a plan. But I prefer to focus my energy and efforts on endeavors that will at least have a greater chance of results. Uh, I'm pretty sure that, unfortunately, given more time in office, Biden is going to continue to dig his own hole deeper and deeper. But I'll offer you this. Look who's standing right behind Joe Biden. Is there anybody sure on how that deal might work out? All right. I'm going on to my next little tidbit for tonight. I'm not going to spend a lot of time or or verbiage on this story, but when I saw it on the news that Al Sharpton, and I shudder when I say that name, had visited the border at Del Rio, Texas today. 
or, or, or could have been yesterday. But anyway, he was visiting the border at Del Rio. He was down there trying to shore up his diminishing importance, in my opinion, in that circle of Mer- American politics and social issues. Um, so it's reported that he toured the area where the Haitian immigrants were being held under that now famous bridge. I, I, I guess uh, as he was concerned about the reports of the mounted border agents abusing Haitians down there, whipping them, if you will, in such a fashion that Maxine Waters, as I talked about on the show last night, likened what was going on down there in Del Rio as being worse, worse than the atrocities that occurred during the real slavery slavery era in our country. Worse. What she saw in those short little clips of those, she called them cowboys, like who's paying these cowboys? They're riding around and and they're trying to, I guess, corral or, or force the Haitians back away from where they're trying to progress. And they're slinging their reins around. One of them uh, I could see in a video tonight was twirling his, but he was twirling it as he's sitting up on the horse and he was not throwing it at anybody. Uh, you know, I'm, I haven't ridden a horse in probably 50 years. So I'm not an expert on how you, uh, control horses. In fact, the, the time that I did ride a horse, there was this place close to home, um, that my cousin and I went horseback riding and, um, my horse did not want to go with the rest of them. So I ended up, you know, about a quarter of a mile away from everybody else because I could not get my horse to go join the pack. And one of the, uh, leaders had to come back and, uh, help my horse along its way. But anyway, so I, you know, who's to say, what these pictures depict and what these uh, cowboys, as Maxine Waters calls them, were trying to do uh, with those Haitian, as uh, the press likes to call them, migrants. They're not migrants, folks. They're illegals. They cross the border illegally. They're here illegally. If you step one foot in this country, without permission, without papers, without going through the process, you're illegal. So anyway, he was down there, I guess, you know, maybe Maxine Waters asked him to go down there. I'm not sure, but you know, never be it said that Al Sharpton is going to waste an opportunity when I mean, they've already turned this into a racial issue, okay? If you've been paying attention to the news, I I have not had a chance to check out what's going on in uh, CNN or MSNBC. I know yesterday, you know, people like Joy Reid and uh, Chris Cuomo and and others uh, did not hear any response from Don Lemon. I'm sure that was a doozy. 
but they were already turning it into a racial issue. The only reason these people were being treated the way they were being treated is because they're black. They're from Haiti. I I keep wanting to call it Haitia. Why do I want to call it Haitia? They're from Haiti, but they're black, so it's got to be a racial issue. I didn't see Al Sharpton down there when uh, it was just strictly Hispanic people coming across the border. That wasn't an issue. So anyway, I've got a, <laughs> I've got a fairly short excerpt from uh, what was supposed to be a press conference that Al Sharpton was giving after his tour of uh, the situation down there in Del Rio, Texas. I mean, it, to me, it looked like there was maybe eight, maybe 10 reporters huddled around. I mean, they were actually in, uh, there's a, a looked like a limousine parked there. And then there was like eight to 10 reporters standing between Sharpton and the limousine. Uh, they were all appeared to pretty much be kneeling. And then there were a few other people mingling around. I mean, I, I, I don't believe there could have been 25 people right there in that immediate area around him. So it's not like he drew a big crowd or anything, but, um, anyway, so Al Sharpton stepped up and proceeded to try to, I guess, say a few words about his experience. I think he was scheduled to give, you know, like, uh, you know, a 15, 20 minute press conference kind of thing. And it ended up being, uh, I think just a little over two minutes that he stood there. And, um, so let me play a little bit of that. I've got, let me, I have to have that on my phone. So if you'll bear with me, I've got to get over there and pull that up and see if I can get the right one the first time. I think it's this one. All right. And this is Al Sharpton. Now you really can't hear much of what he's saying because of what's going on around him. And I've, I've shortened this. Uh, I think, the clip that was posted was like four plus minutes. I've shortened this uh, just for you to get the gist of what was going on there when Al Sharpton was trying to speak. Where are you speaking up for Americans? Why do you not speak up for the American citizens? Why don't you speak up for the children that are being trafficked through the border? Dude, Why are you not a voice for the children that have not missing this year alone? Stop with the race baiting. The real will not come to your nonsense. The real is not a racist community. Our border patrol agents are not racist. Our border patrol agents are heroes. Our border patrol agents are heroes. I'll stop that just a second, just to say the guy that you hear most prominently obviously isn't Al Sharpton, but he's a Hispanic gentleman who has a vest on that says press on the front, but, um, he's the one making the most noise. I'm not sure who that other person is. I don't think we ever see him, but we will see that Hispanic gentleman. Uh, well, you won't see it here obviously, cause you can't see it, but, I'll try to post this where you can, if you want to see the whole thing, but, uh, it's, well, I'll make my comments after this is over. Let me get back to the clip. 
Okay, that last gentleman was standing there. Uh, he was saying, you didn't figure anything different from this, did you? And basically, I took it as he was saying, what did you people expect coming down here trying to turn this into something? You know, this isn't Chicago. This isn't Detroit. This isn't these other cities that you visited and tried to turn situations into uh, a national dilemma. And uh, like I said, that one gentleman that was so vocal, uh, he's Hispanic, and that's why he was telling uh, this big dude that walks up to him and, and is confronting him about, you know, all the noise he was making as Al Sharpton was getting in the car and uh, evidently questioned him something about uh, being an American or something. And then that's when he said, well, I'm a first-generation American. So I don't condone the, the, the screaming, the disruption of somebody that's trying to talk. Um, you know, I, 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 the guy probably was upset. They were probably upset about Al Sharpton being there. It really made no sense for him to be there. Uh, because these aren't American citizens down there that he's, you know, that he's supposedly getting involved in, but, uh, these two gentlemen are upset, but I don't, I don't agree with what they were doing in that fashion. If after Al Sharpton had his words and was through with giving his little press conference, whatever, then if they wanted to confront him and say a few things, then that would have been better in my book, because anytime you do what they did and try to shut somebody down from being able to talk, you know, we criticize them. That's what they do to conservatives all the time, especially on colleges and universities around the country with so many liberals in control nowadays. It's very difficult for conservatives to have a voice on uh, campuses in this country. And that's what they do. If we do get a conservative a speaker on, on a college campus, 
were shouted down or were forced to leave because people disrupt. So I, I don't condone the way they did that. You know, uh, I understand their feelings about Al Sharpton being there, but uh, I, I just think they should could have been a little bit more res- or could have been respectful, period. I don't think they were respectful at all. And I certainly don't condone calling Al Sharpton a coward in the manner that uh, this one gentleman did. But he was obviously very upset about Sharpton's presence there. I think Al Sharpton should have been given a chance to say, because that's the only way that we can push back at liberals when they make outrageous statements. And if they had allowed Al Sharpton to talk, then there would have probably been plenty for that gentleman to call him on afterwards. While I don't agree with the two guys, and their methods of shouting down Sharpton. I do agree with one of the guys who said, go home, Sharpton. Texas doesn't want you here. And unfortunately, I cut the audio off before we got to that. That same guy that said, what did you expect? Or how did you think it was going to turn out? He then said at the very end, go home, Sharpton. Texas doesn't want you here. Well, Maxine and uh, Kamala and Sharpton should be pleased. The accused mounted border patrol agents have been put on uh, desk duty pending an investigation into their performance. And the horses, well, they're in the stables. I guess they're going to get to take a little bit of a break. I saw one news report where they're not going to allow these border patrol agents to use horses anymore. So I guess they either want all these guys to run uh the the runners down either on foot or on atvs so uh and and that's not very green friendly environmentally friendly and much friendlier to use horses well i guess although uh horse flatulence might be a problem so i don't know who's to say in this day and time which is the right method but uh, it's so silly what they've done in this situation. By the way, I wonder where Jesse was. I didn't see Jesse anywhere around. And I'm talking about Jesse Jackson now, not Jesse James. All right, that's enough of that one. All right, my last story for tonight is, this is an article from... uh, uh, redstate.com by Nick Arama, which I've used uh, some articles by uh, by Nick Arama before on other episodes of Trice Talk. But this article is titled "Ted Cruz Asked Richard Blumenthal a Question About Black Voter Participation That Blows Up Democrat Narrative." Apparently, there are some Senate hearings going on right now, and I, I, I think I, I think that's explained at the end of this article. But because um, the beginning of the article didn't explain what setting they were in, but it has to be a Senate hearing. Um, so they're 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 meeting about a slew of voter ID laws that red states have implemented this year in an effort to uh, 
you know, shore up and minimize irregularities in future voting events. And you notice I didn't say steal elections, but to minimize irregularities in future voting events, especially with a big one we've coming up, we've got coming up in 2022. Can't get that out. All right, so Arama writes, Democrats have created this completely false narrative about election security laws. Doing things like requiring voter ID is somehow racist, even though most of the world requires it for voting and most Americans want it to ensure the safety of the elections, especially after last year. I lean into the microphone like Joe Biden does, you know, and say, especially after what happened last year. They created this fiction over the past few months over laws in states like Texas and Georgia, creating a uh, mania against the Georgia law, which prompted Major League Baseball to pull the All-Star game from the state this year. And, of course, we've talked enough about that. But the interesting thing and the sad thing as well about that is uh, Stacey Abrams and her little crew of people that started that brouhaha here in Georgia, who did they end up hurting? The very people that Stacey Abrams says that she's trying to fight for because the minority businesses were the ones who would have benefited mostly from the game being here, the all-star game being here in Atlanta. Not, not that the ballpark and other entities would not have made a lot of money as well, but uh, those small time vendors that work these events that work at that stadium, uh, they count on these kind of things. That's a big part of their income. And this would have been a, a, a certainly a big boon to all of those people and Stacey Abrams forced them out. So I hope they remember that when it, if she runs for office next year, like she's reportedly uh, thinking about doing anyway, crazy Democrats from Texas. Remember that just a couple of months ago, months ago, fled the state to prevent a quorum to stop voting there on an election security bill. And of course we talked about that one as well. And, and that's also been used by Republicans. So it's, it's hard to criticize them too much for that since Republicans have used the same kind of tactic in the past, if you will, to uh, prevent some other uh, issues being, voted on, I guess, when they were in the minority. But, of course, <laughs> both efforts only served, you know, the efforts of uh, Stacey Abrams and her friends in Georgia and the Democrats in Texas only served to show how radical the Democrats were on this issue and how out of step with most Americans they are. But what they're really saying with their objections is they don't want checks on fraud. 
I'll leave that to your great sense as to why Democrats wouldn't want checks on elections to make sure they're secure. But they wanted to shift the narrative to characterize the laws as racist. Well, we've talked about this uh, numerous times as well. Everything that Democrats don't like in this country in, in recent years has become an issue of race. Every freaking thing that they do not agree with or when uh, people, conservatives or Republicans disagree with them even about issues, it's always because of race. And really, it's like the boy who cried wolf too many times. I mean, these people are working the hell out of that word racist. So Ted Cruz, um, let's see, what did he say here? Okay, so today Senator Ted Cruz bagged them big time on this issue of voter ID laws in these states. First, he pointed out how Democrats have raised objections to voter ID laws as part of this campaign. Cruz posted a tweet that noted that 81% of Americans support voter ID laws. 77% of black voters support voter ID laws in this country. And again, we don't know where they get the numbers, uh, these polls that they take, but everybody uses them, Republicans and Democrats. So here they are. But elected Democrats hate it. They absolutely hate it because it makes fraud harder, these voter ID laws. And that's not what their that's not their goal. They don't want it to be harder for fraud or improprieties, right? Okay, so I'm gonna play the first clip I have of Ted Cruz. Uh, talking in this committee, and he's questioning three people. Uh, they give their names. I'm not quite sure who they are. I probably should know who one or two of them are, but I do not. So let me uh, get this keyed up here. Gee, it's always so much fun trying to do this because it always, as soon as you land on it, it's ready to go here. All right, this is Ted Cruz. Clip number one. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, I want to start with a question for each of the five witnesses. Uh, in your judgment, are voter ID laws racist? Professor Tolson. Thank you for that question. Um, so it depends. One thing we have to stop doing is treating all voter ID laws as the same. Okay, so your answer, I, I, I want to move quickly, so it depends is your answer? Yes, it, that's my answer. Okay, so what voter ID laws are racist? Apologies, Mr. Cruz, your state of Texas, perhaps? Okay, you, so you think the entire state of Texas is racist. What about requiring an ID to vote is racist? Um, so I think, sir, that's pretty reductive. I'm not saying the entire state of Texas is racist. You just but said my state of Texas, so you tell me your voter what about I the Texas voter oh, ID laws is racist. So the fact that the voter ID law was put into place to diminish the political power of Latinos uh, with racist intent and it had been found to if have You're asserting intent, that. What's your evidence for that? Uh, the, the federal district court that first resolved the constitutionality of 
Texas's voter ID law. Okay, so your view is voter ID laws are racist. How about you, Mr. Yang? I agree with Professor Tolson. Voter ID laws can be racist. Okay, that's two. Mr. Science? There are some voter ID laws that are racially discriminatory in intent. How about in, in practice? In intent, I, fine, you, you say there's some racist with, with a malevolent yeah. intent lurking in the back of their mind. But let's just talk about it as a practical matter. When I go to vote, they ask me for my ID. I pull out my ID, I show it to them, I vote. Is that racist? If the law that requires you to do that was motivated by racially discriminatory intent under our constitution. Set aside intent. I'm asking about the effect. Yes, in effect, I think that there are discriminatory effects from a number of voter ID laws. Okay, thank you, Ms. I'm going to... Okay. They kept using the words intent. And I'm not a lawyer. That word gets used a lot, but it's amazing how Democrats, how liberals have the power to know what people's intent is. I mean, how do you improve and how do you prove intent? Because somebody does something that you disagree with. How can you know what their intention was in doing what they did or saying what they said? It's almost like that old adage where people, uh, you say something somebody doesn't like and they say, um, you know, I, I, I know what you, I know what you mean. I know what you intended to do. What is intent? How do you prove intent? You know, the law is what it is. It says what it is. It says what it, its intention is. Yet Democrats and liberals seem to be all knowing and knowing that all of these people that put these laws together, the only intent was to keep certain uh, racial groups, I guess, if you will, keep them from being able to vote. That was their intent. Even though the Republicans are saying our intention is to clean up the voter laws and make sure that every vote is a legal vote and every vote is from a person who is not dead and every vote that's cast is only one vote from one person and on and on and on. But yet Democrats know better, right? Okay. <laughs> None of these people actually explain how requiring an ID from everyone in the state is racist. It doesn't even make rational sense, but that doesn't stop them from saying it in a Senate hearing. Cruz exposes how these folks just make the claim without any support. Next, he moved on to another point that they attack the laws in red states like Georgia and Texas, whose laws are actually less restrictive than those in blue states. Now, that's per this article. Uh, it's like the, it came up during the, the thing with Georgia and the, um, the All-Star game when they were removing it. They were removing it from Georgia. They ultimately ended up in Colorado, and then... 
you know, it was said by at least uh, conservative conservatives that uh, the laws were a little bit more restrictive in some some forms in Colorado than they are in Texas. I mean, in Georgia. So uh, anyway, indeed, those these red states have more opportunities to early vote. For example, that does then then does Joe Biden's own state of Delaware. Delaware has no in-person early voting at present, unlike Texas, unlike Georgia. Some other blue states have fewer opportunities for voters to cast their ballots early and in person than Georgia or Texas currently have. But Cruz found a golden opportunity when responding to Senator Richard Blumenthal, the Democrat, I believe he's the chairman of this committee, a Democrat from Connecticut, to make that greater point about red states versus blue states. Uh, let me see if I have that second clip. Yes, I do. I do. <laughs> if I can handle that one properly. Uh, so this is second clip. Ted Cruz is uh, talking to uh, the committee chairman, Senator Richard Blumenthal. Actually, if I can briefly, Mr. Chairman, you said in your remarks that, that, that my my questions were a partisan diatribe. And, and I do want to briefly point out, I just want to quote from the United States Supreme Court, Justice Stevens's opinion for the majority for six justices, where he described laws preventing voter fraud as, quote, protecting public confidence in the integrity of the electoral process, which has independent significance because it encourages citizen participation in the democratic process. As the Carter-Baker report observed, and here the court quotes from Democratic President Jimmy Carter and Republican Secretary of State James Baker, quote, the electoral system cannot inspire public confidence if no safeguard exists to determine, to deter or detect fraud or to confirm the identity of voters. So apparently the views of President Jimmy Carter, the views of a six-justice majority of the Supreme Court are, are deemed by some members of this, this committee to be sim simply a partisan diatribe. And, and, and if that's the case, I, I would ask the chairman, you, you, you talked about the laws in Connecticut, why is it that Connecticut has lower African-American registration and lower African-American turnout than Georgia and Mississippi? You know, uh, I'm really not here to debate you Mr. Cruz, I subscribe to Justice Stevens' opinion and to the <clears throat> views of former President Carter, a distinguished Southerner, and I'm going to turn to another distinguished Southerner, Senator Cornyn. That speaks volumes. Yeah. Actually, if... <laughs> yes, that speaks volumes. He's not going to respond. You don't have to debate it, Blumenthal. You just answer the question. And that's what they do when they don't want to answer a question. Now, I'll be the first one to admit Democrats and Republicans both are, are it's, it's hard, it's very difficult to get, get them to answer questions. 
that you ask them sometimes uh, specific questions. Uh, a lot of times their answer is a no answer. So it's not just Blumenthal that does that. The Republicans do that as well. But still, that would have been a, a fairly, should have been a fairly simple answer for Blumenthal. Why, you know, uh, to answer Ted Cruz's questions. Just with a statement and not necessarily a debate. So that's kind of puts a big hole in, in their argument. That doesn't stop Democrats from making the argument about voter ID laws being racist, but it does make them look extra silly and hypocritical when they do make it. And you know why they're so upset. You know why they're so concerned about all these voter ID laws, because they got a, we got an important election coming up next November. And it's like a feeding frenzy after what they got away with last November with the insane crap drive through voting, multiple drop boxes in areas, questionable areas where there is no security for those drop boxes. And I mean questionable by they should be outside of a, at least a fire station or a police precinct where there is some forms of eyes on those boxes. And also this, this random uh, contracting out of people to pick up the damn boxes, the ballot boxes. How, how nuts can you be that you take, just people that who aren't part of the government system, the voting, uh, the people who are assigned to uh, conduct and count and 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 secure our ballots, you just get basically subcontractors come in and 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 harvest these things. How insane! Or we have these people that go to people's doors and ask them to fill out their ballots and they'll take care of processing them. It's nuts. And people don't think that, that fair-minded individuals won't have a problem with that. People who care about the government in this country, people who care about the uh, fairness of our elections, they don't think that we're going to care about those issues. Never before in our history have we had the the multiple the multitude of voting possibilities that we had last November. And so these people are in a frenzy because they were hoping they could continue that in I guess every election. Well, that's part of the the, the purpose of the voting laws that they've tried to conceal in all these budget bills that they've been passing in Congress, in the House. I mean, they keep trying to sneak that voting bill in there, voting rights bill, whatever the hell they want to call that thing, 
And that would fundamentally change voting in this country forever. I mean, I guess if you could ever get Republicans in control again, they they might be able to repeal it. But it's it's just it boggles the mind how these people they seem to have a way. Liberals seem to have a way of justifying things without really giving you any reason for the justifications other than race. All right. That's it for tonight. I shall move on to something else. I uh, I mean, not tonight, but um, I want to thank you for listening or downloading this episode of Trash Talk Mini Pod. If you like this or any of the Trash Talk family podcast, please be sure to follow us on whatever medium that you are using. Uh, I think I mentioned last night, I will mention it again, that uh, Dennis Lee and I are planning on doing a show together on Sunday night. I do not know as yet whether it will be a live show, but uh, I will confirm that either by tomorrow night, which is Friday night's mini pod or possibly on Saturday. I'll know in case anything changes, but right now he and I are planning on doing a trice talk episode together on Sunday night. So anyway, thanks for spending time with this episode tonight. And, uh, until next time, keep your eyes open, your mind sharp, Stay safe, everybody.